Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Father, I just ask that today you would take my words and you would um, you would parse them and divide them as each has a need. Lord, I know that uh, we come in knowing that this is just a season of, of, of hustle and bustle for some of us, others, um, heartache and grief as we're reminded of those that we have lost, Lord, others, that just making ends meet is a task in and of itself. So today, God, would you allow uh, just a new revelation and a fresh breath of your wind to be breathed upon the verses and the, and the chapters that we look at today as we look at the advent of your love, the coming and the appearing of the love of God through your son, Jesus, breathe life into us today. It's my prayer. Amen and amen. And so as we look at some of this, I think it's really interesting um, as we maybe even put a new twist on the love of God and looking at him as the shepherd of all love. And some of the things that I'm going to say today, I think are going to even put some threads through the things that we have talked about throughout the entire year. You know, we've looked at how he is our shepherd. We talked about his voice and how we know it this year earlier. Um, We looked at even the Lord's prayer and some of these things, these nuances that come together that I think today we're going to see all encapsulated in the love of God expressed to us through Jesus. And so Ezekiel writes this in the 34th chapter, starting in verse 14. He says, I will feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel, that shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land. And on rich pasture, they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. He goes on to say in verse 15, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. And then in verse 16, I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. As we look at what the Lord has done for us, the prophet here describes the coming one, the one who will come, the great shepherd, as the one in such contrast to all the others that have tried to lead Israel and to to lead his people. He says that this shepherd, he will lead his sheep in good pasture. And there's a number of things in verses 15 and 16 that he enumerates for us that this, that the Lord, the coming one, the Messiah, the Savior would do for each of us as his sheep. It says the Lord will provide for us. The Lord will care for us. The Lord would give us rest. I know Candy would say amen to that one. But give us rest. The Lord will search for and rescue us. I think this is so so amazing to see how the Lord is not only providing and caring and, and giving us the rest we need, but he continues to search and to rescue us as we need rescuing. And the Lord will heal us and the Lord finally will give us strength. And we hear even from the Lord himself recorded in uh, the letters of red that he talks about how he longed to become that good shepherd for his sheep. And we see that the crowds around him, when he, he saw these crowds, that he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. So when Jesus saw these crowds that just kind of seemed like they were wandering through life, which how many of you, I don't know where you work or where you live, but I see so many people that are just kind of wandering through life. They, they seem like they have no direction. They seem like they're literally like sheep without a shepherd. They don't know their purpose. They haven't discovered that the one who has created them has created them with destiny. 
and he sees them and he has compassion. You know, last week, Christian talked about how he is very empathetic. And I think about how even the Lord, he had empathy, but his empathy went beyond that. It went towards compassion where he, was res- he responded with action. You know, you can be empathetic, but never get down in the pit with someone. Um, there's a video that I love to show when we talk about empathy that Brene Brown um, out of the University of Houston uh, kind of just greatly depicts empathy. And she talks about how I see myself at the top of when someone has fallen into a pit and it's like, hey, how you doing down there? And are you, anything I can do for you? Can I bring you, can I bring you a sandwich? Here you go, you, you're hungry. Or the person who crawls down in the pit with them, right? That's, that's empathy and says, hey, what's going on? understanding what, what they're going through, what they're walking through versus, hey, can I get you out? Is there anything I can do for you? Choose joy while you're down there. You know, all those great things, right? That, that really don't work when you're in the pit. And so, but there's this idea of once empathy has empathized, that it also calls us to, excuse me, to action. And I see that here with Jesus. I see that his compassion isn't just a feeling, but is a feeling that is put into motion. And I think that that is something that we can really reflect on as we think about the Lord and how he was the good shepherd. And he would say this, he would say, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And this is at the end of his days when he knows what is about to to happen. The cross is before him. He says, oh, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing And the Lord desires, the Lord desires to come and comfort and to be that good shepherd for each one of us in our lives. If we were willing, if you will be willing this season, would you allow the Lord to just come and to brood over you and to bring you peace, maybe in some areas of heartache or just confusion or to bring you joy where there has been sadness or to restore some some memories of the salvation that he has done in your life that will give you the strength to be able to go the next day because he is faithful. And so I think about the Lord's love. It, it, it never changed for, for Israel. It never changed for his people. And the Lord's love hasn't changed for you, regardless of, of what choices you've made, regardless of what you've done with his voice and his attempts to be involved in your life. He still longs and desires to be in your life. He still longs and desires to be that provider, to be that shepherd, to be that God, to be that voice. And I think about what the prophet would say as Jeremiah would write some of his laments. He says, for the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he caused grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. Finally, he says this, for he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. And and this is what I love, how his love is categorized as steadfast. You know, there's so many things in this life that come and go, that are fleeting, that are here one moment and gone the next. Presidents seem to be that way these days. Uh, I mean, maybe you think that people's love can be impeached in your life, I don't know, and that it doesn't hold up its end of the bargain. But for me, this is what I love to reflect on is that the Lord's love is steadfast. That regardless of what I have done in my past or will do in my future, his love stays the same. There may be consequences to my choices. As he just said, there's going to be maybe some fallout or ramifications of what I choose to do, but his love remains the same. And while I come back and I embrace that, I think of what Paul said to us. As he so accurately gave us a description of, of the love that we should have as Christian brothers and sisters, as his children. 
he gives those first few verses and he describes what love isn't. Love isn't just giftedness, Meshach. Love isn't just sacrifice. Love isn't just speaking in tongues and, and, and giving prophecies and giving everything you have to the poor is what he would say in verses one through three. You say, if you have these things, but you don't have love, then you have nothing. Love is the full expression of who he is. And here's how he defines love. He says, love is patient. Reminds me of that steadfastness. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. It's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. Unless it's about what restaurant you're going to go to after church, which I think you should insist on. It is not irritable or resentful. God's love, it does not rejoice in wrongdoing. It doesn't see when someone fails and count that as your own victory. That's not God's love. It rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. And finally, love, it never ends. Or as another translation would say, love never fails. This is the expression that Paul says, love is encapsulated in. And and I just want to highlight these first and last traits that he defines it with. He says, love is patient. Love is patient. I don't know what your struggles are, but I know mine and one of them is being patient. I can tell you that and my kids can tell you that. That patience is something that even last night, I had to apologize to Judah for overreacting about something that was silly and saying, I'm so sorry, I I wasn't patient in that moment. I'm sorry. And and he's just kind of looking at me, blank stares. I'm like, is is my apology working? Are we connecting? (laughs) But I know that I've got to go back again and again and say, God, you, and, and this here, I'm sharing kind of one of my uh, one of my milestones for the next year that I hope will, will kind of the Lord will work in me is His patience. But His love is patient. His love is steadfast. It is long suffering. Those are the words that describe God's love for us. And when we fall and when we fail, because we will, the Lord in His perfect love doesn't give up on you. His love is patient. It, it is eternal. He is resolved in His love. His love is not that he brought about terrible things in our lives or that he is even in the circumstances that that we find ourselves in as a result of our choices, but it is the fact that his love will see us through. His love will carry us through. His love never ends and his love never fails. That is his love. And I love what, listen to what Charles Spurgeon says. I love to quote preachers that are dead because they can't go back and, um, and uh, do things in their life that I'll, I'll wish they didn't do. And so I'll quote those that are dead today. And so Charles Spurgeon, he says this. I'm just kidding. I've got one that's alive too. <laughs> Charles Spurgeon says this. He says, consider what you owe to his immutability. That's God's unchanging nature. He says, consider what you owe to the fact that God doesn't change. He says, though you have changed a thousand times, including my wife this morning before we ran out the door, Though you have changed a thousand times, he has not changed once. True story. He has not changed once. If anyone's going out to eat, I would like to go with you because I am not invited to go with my family. <laughs> not Tom and Aaron's love, not Tom and Aaron's. So consider here what, what uh, Charles is saying. I, I love what Charles says, the preacher. He says, think about God's unchanging nature. 
what, what we owe to the fact that he doesn't change. Because you change a thousand times, but he's not changed once. And I love how James would put this in James 1, verse 17. He says, look at how God, everything good that has come down from the, the Father of heavenly lights, who knows no shifting of shadow, literally his light is lighting up everything around him and there's no variation in who he is. There is no changing. Though we may change between here and our, on our way out the door, he does not he is faithful. And one preacher that is still alive, God rest his soul that he would stay faithful. No matter what storm you face, Franklin Graham says, you need to know that God loves you and that he has not abandoned you. And when I think about God's love, I think about, yes, there are some difficult things that we walk through in this life because this life is not perfect. We are on this side of eternity. And because of that, there are things that we walk through that we have to trust the Lord that he is, he is faithful and he is who he says he will be. That his love has not left us, but that he is with us even through those difficult times. That no matter what storm we face, we have to know that his love is still steadfast. His love is still with us. He has not abandoned us. And so this brings me to our verse that is for today's Advent. And it's simply John 3, 16, as we read it in our time of giving. For God loved the world so much. That's the way I like to say it. He loved us so much. Hey, what happened, Franklin? Get, get out of here. Uh, would you move that for me? My phone just uh, went haywire. So John three sixteen. for God loved the world so much that he would give his only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have that eternal life. And if you'll look at this next translation, I love how the message says it. He says this, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. But by believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Probably the most quoted verse and for good reason. And though often heard, let's not allow it to lose its value or its power for us in this season. The simple truth is that God deeply loves you and me. He created us out of his love. He has purpose for us because of his great love for us. And he has never stopped loving us. The depth of his love is now on display by his willingness to reconcile himself in our place. And so we see in week two that the, the way that he wanted to make peace was that he would come and, and make that bridge between us and God that had been severed because of sin, that now we can have peace with God we can have reconciliation. This is his love on display, that he would go and pay the ultimate price for us. This is how much God loved the world. And 1 John 4, 8 tells us this. Let's see if mine's working. Nope. It says that anyone who does not love God does not know God because God is love. It isn't void of action. God's love is literally on the move and acting on our behalf. Listen to this right here. It says that the heart of the gospel, and this is one commentary I was reading, the heart of the gospel is not a philosophical observation about the character of God as love, but a declaration of, of that redemptive love in action. Think about that. We're, we're reflecting in this season, hopefully, on what Christ has done for us in his coming and what he would pay for us in that ultimate sacrifice through his death. But to think that this is God's love is not just this theoretical, philosophical idea, 
but the fact that he actually put it into action and did these things for us that he was willing to ultimately pay that price, giving up his life and seeing that there would be a, a, um, just a, literally a partition between him and his father, that he would know separation from God's presence because of his love for us, because of his love. And I think about the different th- forms of love in, in the New Testament, and I think about how agape is given um, so many different variations and meanings. And then you've got three different typical Greek words that you've probably heard before translated for love. And you've got eros that is typically uh, an all-take love. You've got philia that is typically a give-take love. And you've got agape that is almost an all-give type of love. And here I think about the agape love of God that was all in, that his love was so so abounding for us that he would give it all, that he would give. That's what that first Christmas was all about, was that God loved and he gave. God loved us so much that he gave. And I try to understand this type of love that he would have for us, for all humanity, but it's really radical. And it takes spiritual awareness to be able to understand a God that would love us this much. And you've probably heard a little bit of our story. If you're new here, um, you may not know, but my wife and I, we've been married for 13 years and we have two kids um, that are as a result of my love for my wife. And then we have two kids that are as a result of God's love for us. And let me explain that. A few years ago, uh, God would lead us down a path to foster. And we've had six kids, one and under, and one that was over uh, that age over the last three years. And through that, I have seen that, yes, I love Ellie and Judah. I love them with my whole heart. They are flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. They are candy and I in little bitty bodies. And we, I just, I love just what we have with them. And Candy and I were even talking about this the other day. We're like, oh man, we, as you just have more kids, you're like, oh, I'm, I wish I could do this with the older ones, but I'm just changing diapers and laundry all the time. So I, but I want to do this and I feel like they're missing out. And Yes, but no, because look at what they're adding to our lives and the kids see it as well. And we're just like, how do we juggle this? And if, you've, if you had a lot of kids or you grew up in a family that was large, you kind of understand some of that. But for us, I look at how much I love my biological kids. But Ellie and Judah will hear this one day <laughs> and maybe they'll listen to this. There's just something different about my love for Levi. There's something unique about the connection that I have with him. It's not less and it's not necessarily more, but it is just, I cherish it. As I sit there, he's typically the one I get up with in the night as Candy gets up with Joe. We, we tag team and we divide and conquer. And that's, you know, that's what you have to do when you're running zone. And so I sit there with Levi in the rocking chair and I lay him down almost every night that I'm home and, um, and, and I just get to see his tenderness. And there's some makeup to him that I'll never fully understand because I don't get to have a relationship with his parents and he doesn't either. But there's an aspect to him that I see God has uniquely created him. And his, yes, his sensory things are there, but he has such a a wonderful heart. The way that he loves is deep. And the way that he has blessed us and brought us joy is, is just amazing. And I think about, man, what, and Ellie said that to us this week. They're like, through tears, Ellie said, I can't imagine what life would be like without blub. That's what she calls Levi. And, and, and I'm like, we're like, we can't either. We can't either. And I think about Joe, how we just had termination this week um, of her parents' rights. And yesterday we were visiting with her family. And 
they looked at us and they always hoped that wherever she would end up, she would end up in a good home with permanency, that she wouldn't bounce around. And, and I, we look at her and she's just come alive with such personality. And, and while I love my kids, there's just something different about how the Lord has brought these into my life to expand me, not for me to expand them and to make them into something great. Because I want my kids to be something great, right? I want them to not only do great things, but I want them to be great people. But I look at these last two that the Lord has brought into our home that are going to be there forever and have potentially the last name Clark for a long time, that they have done the reverse to me. They have expanded my heart. They have transformed me into someone better. And that's because I was just willing and possibly dumb enough to say, yes, I'll do it. And there's still days that I'm like, well, what are we doing? We'll figure it out. We'll just keep loving. We'll just keep letting what the Lord has done for us be shared through us. And I feel like this is what God does for us sometimes. Yes, he loves his only son. He loves him in a way that I will never fully comprehend. Probably even on the other side of eternity, I will be only getting a glimpse of it day after day after day as we see the Lord for who he is. But the way that he loves and cherishes you in me is unique. It is unique. He has adopted us. He has done this and it is expanding his family and his heart of love is overflowing for each and every one of you. And believe me, Levi drives me crazy sometimes and some of you drive God crazy. But his love for us, it never changes. His love for us, it stays the same. Someone just needed to be reminded of that this morning, that his love for us hasn't changed. And I look at how we are his creation, that you are the apple of his eye. You are something special to him. And just like with Levi, he really enjoys you. You need to hear this morning that he enjoys your quirks. He enjoys your uniqueness. These are things that you have been warped possibly in this culture to hate about yourself, but God wants you to know, I enjoy that about you. He loves you. And while this seems so simple, it is the truth of these thoughts that can profoundly change our lives if we'll let it. And so he says this to us, I loved you so much that I would send my biological to sacrifice for you, that I would send him my only, because of the joy of having that relationship with you the way I created you. That's how deep he loves us. That's how great he loves us. You know, there was, um, there was a time that we were in doing Sunday school only in two locations. Um, I don't know if you know, but my family started an inner city ministry 25 years ago now. It's been 25 Christmases we've completed. And uh, we were only in two communities here in East Knoxville at the time. We were going on Saturdays uh, to Walter P. and to Austin Homes. This was probably 23, 22 years ago. And there was this young man that used to come and I still run into him now as an adult. But DeMarcus would come as a little six, seven-year-old and DeMarcus would sit there and I don't know if he was categorized under the ADHD category or not, but he definitely could have been. I mean, he was bouncing everywhere and just keeping his attention was like my whole task. And so we would, at the end of a lesson, we would have just a time of prayer. 
And he was sitting there and we've done everything we could just to keep him on that tarp, right? You're going to get a treat at the end. Hey, you know, just stay focused. I'm sitting beside him. Dad's there. And DeMarcus looks up as we go into this prayer time. My mom's leading the prayer time. And he says, he's like, God doesn't love me. He just loves good kids. And I, I can hear my dad saying, DeMarcus, who told you that? Who told you that God only loves the good kids? And sometimes we think that about ourselves, don't we? God doesn't love me. I just did this. God's love for me has changed because it's based on my behavior. And we were, my dad reaffirmed with DeMarcus. He said, no, that's not the truth. The Bible tells us this. It says that while we, I don't think I have it. It says in, in, um, in Romans chapter five, verse eight. Oh, I love this verse. It says that God showed his love for us in that while we were his enemies, Christ would die for us. He didn't wait for you to become his friend. He didn't wait for you to be on this side of his good grace, that he would then express his love for you. And sometimes we still get that warped in the way we relate to God as father, that his love for us is conditional, that it's based on how we're measuring up in our own minds. Believe me, I get that. I do that to myself, but that's not the way our father God relates to you and relates to me. His love for us doesn't change. It's immutable. It does not change. I want us to look at this in reflection of that first Christmas, and I'm going to wrap up here. It's going to be quick. And Bruce, if you want to come up and just make, make my words sound snazzy with a little bit of piano. In the Christmas story, we see love in a few different ways. Four primarily I'm going to draw out. One directly from that Christmas story is Joseph's love for Mary. We see Joseph's love in this first story. And I just want you to think about what it would have been like to be Joseph. You found out your, your fiance is pregnant. You know, it's not yours. And here you are, you have a decision to make. Do I put her out and shame her? And this is what Joseph chooses. He says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way that when his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure Joseph was saying, mm-hmm, never heard of that before. And her husband Joseph says this, being a righteous man, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, he resolved not to divorce her quietly. He decides to, we're gonna see this through. I'm, I'm in this because of my love for you. I love that we see Joseph's love for Mary in that he would not quietly divorce her and he was unwilling to put her to shame because of his righteousness. And I would say, I would add to that, his love for Mary. We see that Joseph's love is on display here for his fiance in such a way that may come back on him negatively, but he won't allow that to, to look negatively on someone else. Remember how Paul defines love? It does not keep a record of wrongdoings, but rejoices with the truth. No one knew the truth, but Joseph did. The Lord had declared it to him through an angel to give him that affirmation of what he needed. And he said, you know what? I don't need everyone else to know. I don't need to be justified in the public eye. I'm gonna do what's right because of my love for her and because I know that the Lord wants me to display that love. What about Mary's love for Jesus, for her son? But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. I just think that word ponder is probably a word that only mothers can understand. I try to ponder, but it's not the same way 
that I think someone who carried that child for nine months, gave birth and uh, nurtured them as a, as a baby and, and provided for them, only a way that a mother can truly understand. And I think about what Mary must have thought as she just kind of reminisced on these things of what the angel had declared to her, who this child would be, what he would become and what he would do for all the world. And to see him grow up and win every game with his brothers and sisters and frustrate the fire out of them because he was the son of God, but that yet he would give his life. What she pondered, what deep love she must have felt. And finally, I think about the purpose for which Jesus came. And this is his love for us, for all the world. It says in Matthew 1, 21, she will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is simply the Greek uh, name of Joshua, which would be Yeshua in, uh, in Hebrew, or as a shortened version, you would get Yeshua. And it literally just means Yahweh salvation. God has saved. And so when this child was born, literally he was stamped with, this is God's salvation right here. This is who is coming into the world. It is the answer of salvation for all mankind. This is my love for everyone. And so I think it is only right that in reflection of his love, that we would respond and say, God, how can I open my heart to love the way you have loved me? 1 John 4.11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. In this season, I want you to think about, God, who have you put in my life that I need to express your love to? Who am I going to see possibly that I don't see very often? Or maybe there's someone that this is a depressing season. This is a reminder of all the things that they have not, not what they have. But you could be an expression of God's love for them and a reminder of the many blessings that he still has for them, even in those hard moments, that his love hasn't changed, that he is the same. Would you pray with me? Lord, I, th I just thank you. Thank you that you'd love us this deeply. And there is a challenge before us on, will we love the way that you have loved us, the way that we have seen Joseph love, Mary love, you love the world. God, help us to portray this to those around us this season. I think about the line in O Holy Night, truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Lord, teach us. Teach us your ways. Teach us to love. Teach us to show what you have show, so graciously shown us. Lord, we can love because you first loved us. If you're here today and with nobody looking around, you would say, Michael, I need prayer this season. I am going through that valley and I need to be reminded of the Lord's love. If this is a season of difficulty for you and you would like me to just lift you up in prayer this week, would you just slip up your hand with me? I want to know who I need to be praying for. Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Amen. Okay. Yes. Lord, you see. Lord, you know. Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you're in this place and you see every heart and you know what is going on in every life. Those that responded and those that, Lord, are pondering things that are happening now. God, I just pray that your peace would rest in a way that only your peace can that it doesn't make sense. It is what is, um, it is uh, transcendent of our heart and mind, Lord. It is a beyond and above us, Lord. I pray now that that peace would settle and rest on your people here. God, it is supernatural. 
Lord, I pray that we would find your love in places maybe we've never looked for or found it before. Would you spiritually bring it to revelation? And Lord, work all things out for the good of those who love you and who are called according to your purpose. This is your promise for your people. I'm praying that for them today. God, make your face shine upon us and may we be blessed in our coming and in our going. We rejoice in you, Lord. Amen and amen.